Hey, Five Oaks family and friends and new friends who are joining us for this very unusual Easter and this very unusual Easter service. I'm down here again in the lower level of my home and my corner office at that lower level and at my stand-up desk. And lots of folks said they enjoyed last week our first uh, service from home. They enjoyed getting kind of behind the scenes into each one of our homes. One mom told me that her son said, look at all those books. I bet you they're all about God. And the reality is that only a couple of these shelves are mine in terms of my books, my study books, and the rest are uh, books we've had, some, some of them since childhood. And our games are down there. And along the bottom, there's tons and tons of photo albums that someday we've got to go through and digitize. And I'm sure you pretty much experienced the same thing. So last week, somebody noticed, uh, somebody told me that they noticed a Superman comic. You can't see it this week. I'm, I'm kind of covering it up. Not, not on purpose. I just am. I'm at a little bit of a different angle. And, but I bet that you, uh, I bet just about everybody missed a couple of other superheroes that are on my, um, well, to this side. Uh, certainly last week, the angle was wrong for maybe to be able to see, and it's probably too small. So I'll take you for a little closer look at those two superheroes. So here we go. I can get this thing off. Oh, and come right over here. And there, there they are. Two young superheroes. Isn't there an Avengers program about a bunch of Avengers when they were young? There they are. Those were my sons, Henry Michael and Aaron, when they were when they were young. And uh, last week, I actually removed some of the photos that are behind me because I thought they would be a distraction. But this week, I put them back up, and I'd actually like to tell you a little bit of a story about one of those photos. And then I want us to explore some answers to what I think is a very important question that we need to ask uh, in this season, on this day, especially with what we're going through. The question is this, how can and should the hope of the resurrection sustain us in this time of shelter in place and worries and challenges that this pandemic brings? How can and should the hope of the resurrection sustain us in this time of shelter in place and the worries and challenges that this pandemic brings? The picture I want to tell you about is a picture that's, I think, right over this shoulder here. It's a picture of my mom that's up there, my mom who died just this last August. And um, I took that picture when we were on a paddle boat, one of the big paddle boats over in Stillwater, it's something my mom loved to do. I think we took her on that probably over the years, maybe three or four times. But in this, in this particular day, it was, an, it was a especially um, great time for her, one that she really enjoyed and would oftentimes think back to and mention which was um, made special by the fact that her closest cousin, like a sister to her, like a little sister to her, was visiting and her husband was visiting. We took them and we went out there uh, together. I love that picture in part because I know how happy she was that moment, but also because it's a lot like a picture of her from her early 20s that I just absolutely love. In taking the picture at that angle, I felt like I had recaptured a bit of her youth. 
As many of you know, my mom lived in an in-law apartment attached to our home that we had built on when she sold her house. And she lived there from 2001. So uh, about 18 years, uh, her last 18 years were spent that close to us. And for her last two years of life, uh, she was in pretty bad health with a heart condition and, a, and some other things that she was going through that um, I would bring her her meals uh, every day. And two of her favorite treats for meals were Burger King, specifically a Junior Whopper meal, and Pizza Hut, specifically a uh, veggie pan pizza. But her last few weeks were spent in a hospice home and there were days when she was very confused. She was confused about where she was. She couldn't understand why I wasn't nearby. She couldn't understand why she couldn't just pick up the phone and, and call me. She had been glued to her flip phone uh, for the last two years of her life. She didn't like those button things where you press a button if you fall and then they talk to you and find out if it was inadvertent or not. And she couldn't understand it. Uh, when we did the tests and stuff. So so she promised she would carry that flip phone with her and she was religious about it. She always had it with her. And so seven, eight or nine times as she fell over, uh, over those two years, uh, she always had the phone with her and I was very, very thankful for that. But once she moved into the hospice home, a uh, few days in, they had to take the phone and they had to put it out of reach from her because when she had a need, she needed to learn to press the button for the nurses to come in. And instead she was calling me and then asking me to ask for help. Actually, she wasn't usually asking me to go get help. She was asking me to come and get her and take her home. There were times when she would call me at three or four in the morning and say, um, I need you to come right now. And she was rather frantic to which I would say, okay, I'm gonna hang up. And then I would ask the nurses to go in there, a lot of confusion in her mind. But it wasn't like that all the time. Some days she was content in that home, very happy in that home, thankful that she could be in such a nice place and cared for in the way that she was being cared for. She absolutely loved getting visits and especially visits from her dog Bandit. I'd say maybe it's a bit of a toss up who she enjoyed seeing more, me or her dog. Uh, but there were other days uh, in her times of confusion when she insisted that I take her home. And in those times, I couldn't explain what was happening in a way that she could understand. She was in a quarantine of sorts. It, it wasn't that I couldn't go visit her. It was more that I couldn't visit her enough. I've spent hours there every day, but I couldn't be there enough. And when I wasn't there, and she was confused. She often felt very, very alone and very, very much abandoned. And so in my darkest moments during the, that time, when I think about what she was going through, one of my dark thoughts that I would oftentimes have is that her last days, the last days of her life are going to be so filled with a sense of, of confusion and being abandoned and feeling so alone and there was really only one thing that I could hold on to uh, during that time that kept me from despairing for her, being filled myself with despair for the despair and the confusion that she was experiencing. There was one thing that gave me hope during that time and that one thing 
is what I've asked, or we've asked several Five Oaks um, family members uh, to read to us about, to tell us about. So let's listen as they read. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the leaven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering what had happened. Thank you so much to all of you who, who did those readings, and we are very much appreciated. So the one thing that I thought of in her last moments, in her last days, the thing that really sustained me when I would think about how bad her last days were was that her last days really weren't her last days. Her last days would not actually be her last days. And I, I, I really thought about that often. It wasn't a calculated thing. It wasn't like I was just trying to get myself psyched or trying to remind myself. It, it, it was that it would just come back. It, it wasn't a calculated thing. It was a conviction. It was a conviction that I would oftentimes forget in the middle of the, uh, of the despair for her in those times when I was so concerned for her. I would oftentimes forget that reality that her last days are not going to be her last days. And then I would remember, I would remember that fact and it would bring me comfort. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that I would think about oftentimes is what I've said many times and heard many times, which is that our life and especially think of those moments, the last few weeks of her life are like a really tiny, tiny microscopic dot on a line that goes on for eternity. And her life is going to go on for e eternity. I still hated it, what she was experiencing, and I still hurt for her suffering. But I can say I was not despairing. I had hope in the midst of her suffering. And I knew deep in my heart that soon she would have perspective and joy in her life, way more perspective and joy than ever before in her life, way more perspective and joy than I ever have in my best moments of life. And I knew no matter how confused and despondent she could be at times, it didn't take away from the reality of the new life she would soon experience. Her last days were not her last days. And this was all made possible because of what we celebrate this weekend, Jesus's death on the cross and his resurrection. I didn't despair because of the hope of the resurrection.
So I want to go back to that question uh, that I asked earlier, which is uh, how can or should the hope of the resurrection really sustain us during this time of this pandemic? I'm going to put the words of that question on the screen in just a few moments. I'm going to ask you to pause it. I mean, we've, we've been kind of breaking the mold of how we do worship. We're going to break it again. We're going to actually stop in the middle of a sermon, and you're going to stop, and you're going to reflect, and you're going to think. And if you have people you can discuss it with, you're going to discuss your answers. I want to encourage you to, to really do this if you possibly can. I mean, if you have little children around you right now, I understand. You may have to come back to this. And this question is in the discussion guide of the sermon application guide, so you can use that. But if you have somebody to talk about it with, great. If you're by yourself, just spend some time reflecting and maybe even writing down what your, what your answer is to that question. And the reason I'm asking you to do this is because you probably have some answers to that question. If you'll just stop and you'll stop and think, you have some answers to that question. And actually, the answers that you come up with are going to be the ones that are most personal to you. I think they're going to have the greatest impact. I'm going to, I'm going to share with you uh, the impact uh, or how the hope of the resurrection sustains me, but your answers may have the greatest impact on you. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you will have some, some great answers for yourself. So pause the video and then uh, we'll get back together. I had my sermon done, almost done, a couple of days ago. I woke up on Thursday morning thinking about it. Uh, I was going to finish it up. And the more I thought about it, the more I felt it really, it, it really wasn't the sermon that I should give today. So I came down to my office. I started working. I rewrote the whole introduction, which oftentimes kind of gives me a direction and, you know, where I'm going to go with the sermon. I started talking about my mom. Uh, in my in, in my manuscript as I'm writing and thinking about all of that. And then I came to the point where I thought, I'm going to have everybody stop and ask that question. And I hadn't thought about what the answer was for myself uh, yet. Uh, it was suggesting to me that that's probably what I was going to build the sermon around. But instead of working on the sermon anymore, what I did was I stopped and I just wrote what was on my heart at that moment in my own journal. And so I'm going to read to you what I wrote in my journal. Uh, uh, it's, you know, I'm in a pretty distraction-free environment. I've been thinking about the resurrection all week, so it kind of shapes some of the things that I've written here, but it, but it really was what struck me very closely to my heart. And through the magic of post-production editing, I'll put some of the points up as we go along. So here's, here's what I wrote. There's, this is the, the first point. I just... This isn't going to make sense, maybe, uh, but I'll explain it in a moment. So I put, re-enchants my disenchanted world. That's how it sustains me. Now, that's kind of weird language. If you've been around Five Oaks for a while, you know, last fall when we did our study on Esther, I talked about enchanted worlds, the language that uh, Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor uses. He says, we live in a disenchanted world. Uh, and we've gone from, you know, hundreds of years ago where the world was enchanted, where there were other beings besides ourselves. But that's where that language comes from. But here's, here's, here's the idea. The hope of the resurrection sustains me by re-enchanting my disenchanted world. I am brainwashed and indoctrinated every day by a culture 
that has removed God from the picture. No God, no Satan, no angels, no demons, no miracles. This is all there is. The hope of the resurrection sustains me because it reminds me that there is more, that God is real, that a disenchanted world is not only hopeless, it is meaningless. So there's a lot packed in there, but, but what I'm trying to say is it reminds me that there's more than what I see. There's more than the despair. There's more than so many of the things that I see and even the suffering that I might experience. There's, there's more to it than that. Um, that a world without God in it uh, is a world that is hopeless so, and meaningless. So when I think of the hope of the resurrection, it, it impacts the meaning of my days. Uh, it, and it gives, gives me hope in that way. So the second point I wrote down is, reminds me that suffering, hardship, and trouble don't have the last word. So here's, here's the idea. The hope of the resurrection sustains me by reminding me that suffering, hardship, and trouble don't have the last word. They don't have the last word. My mom's suffering was temporary. So is mine. So is ours. This whole life filled with so much pain for so many people is followed by a new heaven and a new earth. All right. So that's a second way that it sustains me. A third way that it sustains me is what I wrote is, I'm sustained by the goodness and grace and love of God demonstrated by the cross and resurrection. All right, so here's, here's what I'm saying. The hope of the resurrection sustains me by the goodness, grace, and love of God demonstrated in the cross and resurrection. So here's um, what, what I'm saying. I'm saying it reminds me of the character of God. We have a God of goodness, grace, and love that is with us. So let me read to you what I wrote. I says, Jesus comes and suffers for us. Got little underlines. That's an insane level of love. God of the universe becomes a man of poverty and is executed for my sake. He pays the price for my sins, all the pain I've brought into this world, and even the people I love. My selfishness, I put myself at the center of my universe. He loves me anyway. Tells us a lot about, that's, that's every person's story. So it tells us a lot about the character of God. I wrote on, I said, Jesus shows himself to his disciples, the men and women who followed him. He wants to comfort them. He wants to comfort me with his resurrection. He wants to remove the sting of death and suffering. I was just struck by how Jesus in that passage and beyond goes out of his way to bring comfort to his people. That says a lot about his character. And then I wrote, because of his goodness, grace, and love, he is my strength and my song. Now, I, I, that, that comes from a song. Maybe it's a, a psalm. I'm not, I'm not sure where that, that phrase, phraseology, but that's what came to my mind. He is my strength and he is my song. 
So the hope of the resurrection should have a sustaining power in our lives during this pandemic. And this exercise shouldn't just be an exercise that we do right now. It actually, it actually should be something that we take into our daily lives. And it, it impacts the way that we face whatever is, is coming. Just like with my mom, not despairing, knowing that her last day was not her last day. How can I take that into my everyday life? Well, I heard a story just this morning that I think helps us in trying to think about how we can how we can do that and I want to share that story with you. It's the story of this 72-year-old Italian priest, Father Giuseppe Bergdell. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. But he contracted COVID-19 and his parish bought him a ventilator. But partway into his illness, he heard that someone else, a young man, needed a ventilator. And he gave up his ventilator, and he gave it to that young man. And, uh, and then he died. Well, the young man will never be able to thank him. Uh, but I'm pretty sure hardly a day will go by that this young man doesn't think about the sacrifice of Father Giuseppe on his behalf. Over time, the reality is that that sense of gratefulness might begin to fade, but I'm guessing that he's going to try to find some ways of reminding himself of Father Giuseppe's sacrifice that allowed him to live. So I want you to think about, and I need to think about, how can I keep the hope of the resurrection alive and well in my daily life as we're going through this pandemic? Now, one of the ways that we do that um, is that we uh, we keep his sacrifice and we keep his resurrection at the forefront of our minds. One of the ways that we do that is by partaking of the Lord's Supper. When we take the bread, we remember that his body was broken for us. And when we drink from the cup, we remember that his blood was shed for us. And we remember the resurrection Whenever we reflect on Jesus' words recorded in one of the Gospels, his words at the Last Supper when he said, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He was looking forward to that, that day when his kingdom would be established. And that was only possible because he wasn't going to stay dead. He was going to rise from the dead. And so one of the ways that we can do that is by right now participating in communion. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, I invite you to participate with us in communion. If you're not a follower of Jesus, it doesn't really make sense to, but I still want to put an invitation out to you. And the invitation is that you would receive what Jesus has done on your behalf. The Bible says that we cannot earn our uh, God's goodwill towards us. We cannot earn salvation. We can't earn forgiveness of sins. Jesus has done that for us. If there was a way for us to earn it, why would he die? He died as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so we receive that, the Bible says, by faith, by putting our trust in him. And you can put your trust in him. You can ask him to be your Lord and your Savior. That means your leader, your God, and your forgiver. And I invite you to do that even today.